0: Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank You for Your Word. I pray for a real spirit of revelation among us. I ask You to come and give us just a spirit of understanding, a spirit of revelation that that comes directly from Your Word. Lord, we thank You for the kind words that have been said, but I understand what's being referred to as Your Word. Because it's Your Word that takes us through and, and takes us above and beyond. Or we could ever go otherwise. Tonight we thank You and we honor You for Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I thought about tonight messing with your Christmas and talk about Joseph and Mary. But I think I might ruin all your traditions so I'm not going to do that tonight. You realize that, that when God chose Joseph and Mary He didn't pick two broke, dumb kids. He chose a faithful man and a woman of God. Now, I'm not going to teach that tonight, but I can back all that up, what I just said. He knew what he was doing when he chose those two people to raise Jesus in the natural world. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. We've been talking about the blessing of the Lord, and I've been really excited about getting to this lesson tonight as we talk about God's blessing and how it connects to us and how how it all operates. So far, we've seen that the first thing that man ever heard was God's voice blessing him. I mean, when he created man, the first thing he said was, blessed. And man then became the blessed. We discovered that the blessing of the Lord, when we look at Hebrew words and, and even Greek words, that that has to do with a confession a conferment with words spoken over someone that then is is supported with a backing that supplies everything the blessing said. And so God spoke blessing to Adam, spoke blessing to Eve, and told them that that blessing on them was so they could take this Garden of Eden to the whole world. Kind of like when the king confers knighthood on the knight and he rises and now he has the authority of the kingdom behind him to accomplish everything a knight is supposed to be. When he blessed him, when God blessed Adam and Eve in the garden, he conferred upon them the ability to rise to the highest place of success as rulers of planet earth. When God put them here in the beginning, man, talking about man and Eve, man, Adam and Eve, man was the god of this world. Little G, not big G. Jesus said it, quoted it from the Psalms. The little G, that's what he said. We saw that God wanted them, even though that garden only covered a small part of the planet, he intended for them to take it to the rest of the planet. He expected them to do the rest of the work in taking the garden everywhere. We saw that they forfeited the blessing when they took for themselves that which was intended for God alone when they ate of that one tree that belonged to God, the blessing became a curse because it's now in the hands of Satan. And so that blessing was there. We, we talked about how that God never cursed Adam. He only announced that the curse had come because man had disobeyed the Word of God and had taken that which was God's for himself. And so, in fact, you can't really even find that God punished Adam. If you look very closely, He did, his goal wasn't to punish Adam. His goal wasn't to send him to hell. He warned him in advance that on the day you eat of it, you die. And the day they ate of it, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually on the day they ate of the fruit. We saw that, there was, that, that the same blessing came to Noah. And when Noah got off the ark, God said the same thing to Noah that he had said to Adam all those years before. We saw that God waited 100 years after he assigned Noah the job of building the ark. Noah took 100 years. The scripture says he was a preacher of righteousness. So God gave them 100 years to repent. I mean, that's something. That I mean, I, I barely give people 100 minutes to repent. God gave them 100 years and Noah preached righteousness to them. But then when Noah exited the ark, He and his sons, they received the very same blessing that Adam had received from the mouth of God. So last time we began to look look at the life of Abraham, how that God conferred upon him a blessing and declared that he was blessed and that everybody that blessed him was blessed. And consequently, those that cursed him were cursed. All right, so he said, whoever blesses you is blessed. He told told Abram, he said, I want you to leave your family and I want you to follow me. And the scripture says that Abram went looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't really know where he was going, didn't know what he was doing. He just knew that God said go and he went. He obeyed. He went in the power of God's blessing to a place he had never been with no physical evidence of any means of support. Yet we know he was blessed in everything that he did. Now, that's just the beginning of this blessing of Abraham. So now I want to look some more at, at, at this blessing that was on Abraham. So first of all, let's look at the, I'm going to start reading in Genesis chapter thirteen. This is Genesis chapter thirteen, beginning in, in verse verse eight. And the Bible says, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdman and thy herdmen, for we be brethren, he is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If that will depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. I mean, they had so much stuff. These two guys, Abram and his nephew Lot, they had so much stuff, the land couldn't hold all their stuff. I mean, that's, that's pretty pretty prosperous right there. I mean, they said, he said, you know, he's like, we got, we got too much stuff. We don't want there to be any strife. And then it says in verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered, Everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as thou comest to Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now it's interesting to me that it says in verse ten that the part that Lot saw and the part that he chose is said it was well watered everywhere, even as the garden of the Lord. It's talking about the Garden of Eden is what it's talking about. So what we can see here, the blessing of the Lord on Abram's life produced the garden. I mean, this is what God intended to happen. He intended for his blessed man to take this garden wherever he went. I mean, Abram was blessed to prosper. I mean, God said, whoever blesses you is blessed, whoever curses you is cursed. And I mean, Abram, everywhere he went, it prospered in front of him. And this, this desert was now like the garden of the Lord. I, I, I was talking about Rick Renner earlier. I read one time years ago how that, that he had, you know, he moved from the United States. You know who Rick Renner is? Anybody know? He's, he's a great teacher of the word. I really like him. He, he's, he's, uh, uh, he, he's, he's a Greek scholar and he's a great teacher. But the Lord told him to move from Oklahoma, from Tulsa, to Moscow or to Russia, and so they moved there to start a church and they, the first church they started was in Latvia and so the government at that in that time and I think still today they wouldn 't allow churches to borrow money churches can 't borrow money they got to pay cash in advance for all that they do, so they got to pay. As they go, they can't, they can't borrow money and they had to submit a building plan to the government and they had to have the, the building built on time because if the building was not built on time, the government seized the property. You pay cash up front, and you build it, and you got to be finished, or the government gets it. So Rick and his wife, Denise, they they personally purchased some land for $200,000 in a very poor part of Latvia because the Holy Spirit told them to go there. So they built this building, and they built the finest church building in all of Russia. Paid cash, finished it on time. Today, that part of Latvia is populated by shopping malls. Luxury car dealerships, large homes. It's the garden spot of Latvia. Oh because the blessing was on him. The property that he bought for $200,000 is now worth $20 million. Oh because he obeyed the voice of God. I mean, to me, it's a whole lot like Abram. He went to a place that he didn't even know if he could, they'd sell him a house. He went to this place. He's been there for many years now. But see, we, we have to see, we, as, as we acknowledge this blessing on our, of the Lord on our lives, he causes us to rise to the highest place in all the areas of our lives. Now, let's look at the story for just a minute. Abram says, okay, you choose, and I'll, if you go left, I'll go right. If you choose this, I'll do that. Well, Lot, I don't think he's very brilliant. You'd think that he had lived with his uncle Abram long enough to know that the blessing upon his Abram's life, the blessing on Abram's life was the reason they had much stuff, so much stuff. You'd think he'd understand. They had more than they could contain because of what God said to Uncle Abe. You'd think he'd been smart enough to have said, I'll tell you what, Uncle, you take the well-watered plain. I'll go the other way you think you'd realize by now, whoever blessed Abram was blessed. And if he would have just blessed Abram, he wouldn't have gotten into all the trouble he got into. When you read the book of Genesis, you'll find that, that Lot went from problem to problem in his life because he, he decided, I'm going to take what's mine and Abram can just figure it out. So he, I just, he's not too bright. A lot of times in our Christian lives, I think we don't understand the reality of the need to be a blessing to people. We need. The blessing resides in us. The blessing is on us. As the scripture says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich. And he has no sorrow to it. There's something about when we, as the blessed people, are a blessing to people. I tell you, God wants to bless us. He wants to open things up to us, and we've got to be a blessing. We're taught by the world that we're to get all we can and can all we get. Get it all. Do it, get, do it for yourself. I mean, listen, the blessing of the Lord is released to us as we give it away. We, we, we become conduits of it. And again, the blessing is not the stuff. The blessing is God coming to us and manifesting Himself. But now let's, let's read a little bit more about, about Lot here or about a couple of things. In gen- the next chapter of Genesis, chapter 14, verse eight, <clears throat> it says that there went out the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Admah and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela, which the same as Zoar, and they joined battle with them in the valley of Sidim with Chedorlaomer. We're going to probably call him Cheddar as we go because it's a long name. With Chedorlaomer, the king of Elam, with Tidal, the king of nations, uh, Amraphel, the king of Shinar, Ariarch, the king of Elasar, four kings with five, in the vale of Sidim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, all their victuals, and went their way, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. I'm sure you've read this story before. There's a lot to be said about what happens here. This guy, Chedorlaomer, He was a bad guy. I mean, he was the head of a four-nation league, and he was the biggest bully of the day. I mean, this four-nation league defeated everyone they came in contact with in every battle. I mean, easily he overcame a five-king league that included Lot's guy, the king of Sodom, because that's where Lot was. I mean, they just wiped him out. They just took him, took all of their stuff. But here's, as we read this story, we're going to find out that one thing that Chedorlaomer had never encountered was the blessing of the Lord. <clears throat> this Abram guy was blessed. I mean, everything changed when the blessed man Abram heard that his nephew had been taken captive. It says down in verse 14, And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318 men, and pursued them to Dan. Now, think about what I just read to you. This guy has 318 trained men. He's going down to attack a five king army that just wiped out all these other armies with 318 men. It says, And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them to Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought back again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Listen, I believe that really and truly happened. That this guy, Abram, had the blessing of God on his life to the degree that when they took his... His, his nephew, and took that city, he just said, all right, I got my 318 guys, let's go whip them. And they went. It says he had 318 trained servants that were born at his house. Now think about that. He had 318 trained servants. How many more servants did he have? That he had 318 in his security force. 318 guys. I mean, it says they were trained and they were fighting. They defeated this four king league. I mean, they, that's that's amazing to me. That's what the blessing of God does. Now, the question I have to ask is, who trained them? I mean, did Abram train them? Well, he wasn't a warrior. He wasn't a military man. Well, maybe it's one of, one of one of the other soldiers from another army. Well, if, if it had been if it had been a man that trained them they would have never had an advantage over Chetolaomer and his guys. The thing that trained them was the anointing of the blessing of God. I mean, this man was so blessed, and the anointing of the blessing of God was upon them, and I mean, the he, that blessing trained them to fight. They had some kind of strategy. I wish the Bible told us what they did. I mean, it was obviously unheard of, and they overcame a huge army in one night with 318 guys. I mean, this trained group, they owned the night. They owned it and there was no way because of God's blessing, there was no way for Cheto Leomer to handle them. God's blessing in your life will equip you to fight and to win. I mean, that's We've got to acknowledge that. And that's not the only example in the Bible of people being trained to fight and to overcome impossible odds. Think about David. I mean, he was in covenant with the God of Abraham that emboldened him to fight this fight with Goliath. God trained David in the field as he fought the lion and the bear. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible, when it says he caught the lion by the beard and smote him. I mean, and the bear, he grabbed him and just hit him with the other hand, apparently, and killed him. I mean, he trained him. David said in Psalm 144, he said, blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. So we have this idea that, that God is just passive. I'm going to tell you something. God wants to whip the devil every step of the way. He wants you to be trained to fight. I mean, Goliath thought he was fighting a boy. The fact is, he was fighting a fight he could never win. Because he was fighting against the blessing of God. He was fighting. He couldn't win that. The Lord teaches our hands to war. And the devil doesn't stand a chance. We just don't need to quit. Listen to this verse. You've heard this before. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Here's what's interesting. You look up the word power in, in, a, Greek, in a Hebrew lexicon. The word power is the same as the word hand in the previous verse I read to you. Death and life are in the hands of the tongue is what they just said. Death and life it's the same word. We allow the blessing, we allow this blessing of God to be made manifest as it is on our tongue as we learn to talk right. As we learn instead of instead of complaining about the situation, why aren't we praising for the solution? Uh, Most Christians, when bad things happen, they just, they nurse it. You know, they talk about it, they talk about it, it, and they feed it, and they feed it, and they feed it. They nurse it, they nurse it, and then they curse it, because it becomes a curse in their life, because it's what they've been calling for. We need to learn how to reverse it by speaking God's answer, by doing what's supposed to be done. I mean, death and life are in the power or the hands of the tongue. Man, David slew Goliath. You know the story. Took his head, cut off his head, marched to Goliath's hometown. Said, here he is. Then he went back, he got the armor, and put it in his own tent, just like any teenage boy would do. (laughs) The blessing of God will train you and empower you to fight the fight of faith. Now listen to this part. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him. Talking about Abram again. After his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Shava, and in the king's dale. This, this gets interesting to me. And Melchizedek. The king, Melchizedek means king of right or king of prosperity is what it means. So the king of right, king of Salem. Salem means peace. Salem becomes Jerusalem later on. So this Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. <clears throat> now, what, how did he get to be that? I mean, he, he wasn't of the tribe of Levi because there was no tribe of Levi. Mm-hmm. Because Abram hadn't had, hadn't had his sons. And so the 12 tribes weren't there. But this man was the priest of the Most High God. This is so good. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. What's he doing? He's conferring it on Abram with his words. Think about this. He said, you're the possessor. He said, here's the extent of your blessing. You're the possessor of heaven. Now, I'm not talking about heaven where, we're, where when we die we go to. I'm talking about the sky. You're the possessor of the sky and the ground. Now, the scripture says, it says that, 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 that <clears throat> Satan is, is the prince of the power of the air says that he's the God of this world. I just saw this. How are you going to overcome the prince of the power of the air? When you understand God's blessing on your life makes you possessor of the sky. When you have a revelation that the blessing of the Lord in your life makes you the possessor of the world. He may be the God of somebody's world. But he's not the God of my world. He may be. He may be. He may be this prince of the power of the air, but not my air. Amen. (laughs) He comes and he says, "Abram, you are blessed, and you're the possessor of the sky and the earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered all thine enemies into thine hand. And he, Abram, gave him Melchizedek tithes of all." This is powerful stuff, man. Up to this point, Abram knew that the blessing of the Lord had empowered him to triumph and to prosper him. He knew the blessing of the Lord caused him to, to, to have all that he ever needed and everything flourished. But now, all of a sudden, this full magnitude of the blessing of God is about to come to him. Melchizedek, I love it. He says, blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. He just now gave him the very same blessing that God gave to Noah, that God gave to Adam. He said, the earth is yours. You are the possessor of all of it. You own it all. I mean, Abram now is all of a sudden figuring out what the extent of this blessing is. He's not just the possessor of the Holy Land. He's the possessor of the whole world. I love this, don't you? I mean, all of a sudden, he's saying, he said, Abram, the sky and the ground is yours. He is pronouncing a blessing. He is, he is giving him the blessing. And the question is, wait a minute, is it, is it his to give? How can he give it? We'll talk about that in just a minute. God is preaching the gospel to Abraham. According to the scripture, in in Galatians three eight, before Jesus came, God preached the gospel to Abraham. It says this, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. It was the good news. God's preaching him the gospel. The good news is this that the blessing is still available for men. That's the gospel. That's why when Jesus preached his very first recorded sermon, the very first word of the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached was blessed. Because they had been taught they were under the curse of the law. They have been taught about how bad they were. They have been taught about how they were breaking the law. But Jesus came and said blessed. The scripture says in Acts that God sent Jesus Christ to bless us. I mean, this is the power of this blessing. The scripture says in Romans 4.13, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It says he was the heir of the world. The word heir, is the Greek word should have been translated possessor because that was what he was blessed with. He said that he should be the possessor of the world. The gospel, the promise that Abraham was now what Adam was supposed to be, the one who had dominion over the whole world if he wanted it. Man, see, it's not just to Abraham, but it's to us his seed. Notice it, and and it says later on in that same chapter, he didn't say seeds, he said seed. And that seed is in Christ. We We are that heir. I mean, I like this. Melchizedek. Brings forth bread and wine. That's covenant talk right there. I mean, that is covenant. And Melchizedek, the the king of right, has bread and wine. And they take communion over this blessing that God puts on him. I mean, they fellowship with the bread and the wine. And it's over this thing that God blessed him with. I mean, the the king of Sodom comes to Abraham. He said, you know what? Just keep all the stuff. (laughs) Give us the people. You just keep the stuff. I love Abraham. Abraham. He says, that I will not take a thread, even to a shoe latchet. That I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. I mean, listen, the king says, you can have all the stuff. And Abraham's like, holds up his hand and says, huh, I got something way bigger than that. I'm not going to forfeit the whole world for some cows and some jewels. It's all mine. I'm not going to forfeit that. I mean, El Shaddai himself said it's yours. said, you are the possessor. Of the whole earth. So now here's the question: Who is Melchizedek, and how does he have a right to give that to him? Who who is he? Now some people say, well, Melchizedek is is Jesus. I, I think we're going to find that that probably is not right. The scripture said he was God's priest of the day, and as I've said, this is before Levi. In fact, Hebrews says that Levi tithed to Melchizedek through Abraham. And then the scripture says that the lesser gives the tithe to the greater. The greater blesses the lesser. And so Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Melchizedek, who in the heck is this guy? Melchizedek is not his name. If you read from Jewish historians, Jewish scholars, and the Jewish people were great at recording history as they went. If you read from their history, you're going to find out that the term Melchizedek was not the name of a person, but the title the person carried. Hmm. This person was the Melchizedek of the day he was the chosen priest of god if you read the chumash you find that, that that these historians they're they're saying no, no no his name is not that he is the melchizedek hebrews chapter 3 says of melchizedek without father without mother without descent having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like unto the Son of God, he wasn't the Son of God. He was a picture of the Son of God. Abideth a priest continually. What this is saying, he, he is saying when he's saying is without father, without beginning of days, and all this stuff. It's referring to the fact that he did not have the pedigree that Levi had. Jesus didn't either have the pedigree that Levi had, and yet Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, according to the Scripture. So the pedigree wasn't the deal. The deal was that God conferred the priesthood on him, that God made him the priest. It's not saying that he didn't have a mother or father. Even Jesus had a mother and father. Okay, so, so it's not it's not saying that. It's saying he didn't have that. But these Jewish historians tell us exactly who he is, and they tell us, and I mean, they're very accurate translators and, and, and writers of the history. They tell us exactly who he is, and the only people that really had the right to say, I have this blessing and I'm going to give it to you. Or were four guys that walked off the ark. One was Noah and he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We know from reading genealogies that Ham and Japheth left it and they went and lived in the world. We can read in the Bible, we can find the dates of people's lives and we're going to find that there was this one guy, his name was Shem, who was alive when Abraham was alive. This is Abraham's great, 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 great granddaddy. He heard God say, blessed. It is his blessing to give. It's his blessing to bestow. And this guy who walked off the ark and heard God bless them, came to his great, 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 great grandson, and he looks at him, breaks covenant with him with the bread and the wine, and says, blessed you. I'm giving the blessing to you. You're the possessor of heaven and earth. Man, that is pretty awesome. So we see now this blessing came to Adam. It came to Noah. And now through Shem, the very blessing is being given to to Abraham or to Abram. That's, That's pretty powerful as we read the last scripture when I get to it. Now look at this though. And immediately after he received this blessing, what did Abram do? He gave him tithes of all. He tithed. Now, he tithed off the gross, not the net. (laughs) Because he gave him tithes of all. All of it. So he tithes off the gross. Before, Before the king of Sodom got his stuff back, Abram tithed. As we've looked over the weeks, this is really important, I think. In the Garden of Eden, with Adam. To Noah, to Abraham, the blessing of God and the tithe are always connected. They're always connected here. You can never buy the blessing of the Lord with money. But when money is given as an act of faith and gratitude, an exchange is always made. An exchange is made. Man, once Melchizedek ministered the blessing to Abram, he did what his great-grandfather many times over should have done in the garden he tithed he he did what noah did he gave the offering right off the bat listen he wasn't crying because he had to give 10% to god he was thrilled to be the heir of the world i mean it's like 10% of this is nothing compared to what you promised me compared to the covenant that i have with you i mean the tithe is nothing compared to what God does. Nothing compared to what He tells us. I mean, Abram had to be thinking, man, I'm richer than I've ever been in my life. The whole earth is mine in one way or another. The whole earth is mine. He had a revelation of this wealth that only God could present to him. Man, he didn't He didn't get it. He didn't get this revelation from, from a Sunday school book. He gave it because he tithed. Ooh, I love it. Hebrews four verse, Hebrews 7 verse 4 says, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abram, Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people. That's interesting. It says they had a commandment to take the tithe in the Old Covenant. They took it. Whether you wanted to give it or not, they took it. I've been in that church before. <laughs> Seriously, if you didn't tithe, they called you where's your tithe? It says it says it says it says of the people according to the law, that is their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. That's something. The blesser blessed the one that had the promise. We have the promise, by the way. Without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes. But there receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. When we tithe, we may give it to a man that's going to die. But the one that receives it is the Lord who will never die. He's the one that we're tithing to. Not to some man. I mean, the blessing of Jesus... Our Melchizedek is connected to this. When we give to him through men that die, he receives them and an exchange is made. Man, when people don't tithe, listen, God doesn't curse them. He doesn't make your f- tires go flat or anything like that. That's not what he does. You know, I- I heard it, I've heard it said, you know, well, God's going to get his tithe one way or another. Well, not <laughs> if I'm paying the guy at the tire shop, That's not, That's not. not unless he's a tither. No, no, no it doesn't, God doesn't curse, but it releases that that is of the curse. I mean, the blessing of God and the tithe are always connected. I mean, it, the tithe opens a door that allows us to receive everything we could ever need to take care of our lives. This is important stuff, and I think we've got to get a revelation of it. Here's the verse that we got, we've read many times, but this is so important. Abram, here he is. He knows that God is the one. And when, when Shem or the Melchizedek gives him this blessing, I mean, the dude is blessed now. It is the blessing that was on Noah. The one that was on Abraham. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, "Curses is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We have that blessing of the Lord. Ooh, isn't that good? Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you that there's this blessing of God, this this blessing of the Lord that is on us. Tonight, Father, we make the declaration that we are the possessors of the sky and the earth. Satan, we're putting you on notice right now. You may be called the prince of the power of the air, but you're not our prince. Mm -hmm. And your power was destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. when He took away the keys of hell and death and when He defeated you and embarrassed you in your demon horde. We declare to you, we are the possessors of God's blessing tonight, of heaven and earth you're the god of the world but not my world we don't have to bow the knee to you because we bow our knee and our tongue confesses that jesus christ is lord tonight father i thank you for your blessing that's in our lives and we want to choose tonight to believe to receive your blessing father by faith in jesus name amen